Pursuant to the Fair Use Doctrine of Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976, limited use of copyrighted material is permitted for specific purposes such as criticism, comment, news, reporting, teaching, scholarship, education, and research. This podcast is otherwise copyrighted by the Underground Christian Broadcast. Welcome to episode 33 of the Underground Christian Podcast, where the Bible and the 21st century collide head-on in a spectacular display of shock and awe. All right, well, I apologize for the condition of my voice, but I'm currently fighting either a cold or something created in a biolab somewhere. Either way, my voice is not my friend today. I was considering running an experiment using a voice simulator instead of waiting for my voice to clear up, just to see what that newfangled technology can do. But after listening to the voice choices that are offered to the public at a price I can afford, I decided to pass on it. While they're much better than they used to be, they still sound like a machine that's doing its best to imitate a person, but can't quite figure it out. Kind of like me. So to save you from having to listen to me talk very much, we're going to listen to some other people talk. Over the past 30 episodes or so, I've been making the case that we're involved in a great, if unconventional, war, the purpose of which is to drastically reduce the size of the world's population and turn the survivors into transhuman hybrid slaves for a small minority of the world's leaders who have megalomaniacal aspirations. It's the same aspirations that countless other people throughout history have had, except this time, the psychopaths not only have advanced technology on their side, but they intend to make it a central feature of their new world system. The entire COVID-19 pandemic was a scripted and technologically assisted event, the sole purpose of which was to induce or compel the world's population to receive an injection that masquerades as a vaccine, but is in fact a bioweapon. I said that in episode one. Scientists and others on our side, meaning humanity's side, have been working to discern the nature and function of the vaccine, and in the process, most of these scientists conclude it's actually an extremely sophisticated weapon system. Its mode of operation is still being determined, and there are different opinions as to how it works. But it may work in many different ways, which should not surprise anyone. People who spend the money and effort to unleash a weapon on the world will want to ensure that it will fulfill its intended purpose, even if things go wrong. The first mode of operation that we'll hear about is part biology and part machine, part artificial intelligence. It utilizes the injection materials along with an external energy source, which is the 5G microwave radiation. The massive 5G system being constructed around the world is an essential component of some part of this complex weapon. Karen Kingston is going to talk about that with Mike Adams, who founded Brighteon.com, Natural News, and who runs his own health food company complete with analytical lab to test all the food materials he sells. Karen is an expert at patent evaluation and formerly worked for large pharmaceutical companies. The next person we'll hear from is Dr. Brian Artis, who was interviewed by Stu Peters. Dr. Artis broke the news earlier in the year that the mRNA packet that's delivered into the human cells contains many genetic sequences that are found only in other animals, including bats and snakes. And the genetic sequences code for aspects of those critters that we don't want in our bodies. He argues that almost all of the over 1,000 so-called side effects of the injections are caused by an acute reaction to snake venom, which is coded in the mRNA. In other words, the mRNA teaches our bodies or instructs it to genetically produce these toxins and our physiological response to their presence produces all of these debilitating and often fatal symptoms. Two ideas as to how the weapons work. But before we get started, 
I want you to contemplate for a moment that these warfare tools have been fully documented and described in patents, technical papers, recorded seminars, and lectures. Many of these patents have been developed under the direction and financial support of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Programs Agency, as well as other black ops government agencies. Black ops simply means that their funding and activities are kept off of the government books so that you and I and every other taxpaying citizen will have a very hard time determining who is doing what, where, and for whom. Maybe we'll talk about classification systems on another episode. I'm not going to comment too much on these clips, but I might mention them in the next episode I produce. So let's retire my voice and listen to the first interview. All right, welcome to this interview. Mike Adams here, the founder of Brighteon.com. And today we are interviewing Karen Kingston with a follow-up interview. We had a uh, what I'm just going to call a bombshell interview a couple of weeks ago, where she was laying out all of this evidence about the, uh, I don't know what you even call it, the, the, the exotic technology, the biostructures that seem to be self-assembling in people's bodies after receiving some injections. Uh, and now she's got new information to share with us about some patents, some documents that she's discovered since then. And there have been efforts to hide some of these documents as well by the powers that be. Her website is karenkingston.substack.com, and she publishes on Substack, and you can also support her work there with a subscription if you wish, although it's optional. And uh, Karen Kingston joins us right now to give us all the details. Welcome, Karen. It's an honor to have you back on, and you were blowing people's minds two weeks ago with that interview that we did previously, so welcome. Thank you for having me um, back, Mike. I really appreciate it. And as I mentioned, I mean, I found over a decade of research um, and I was honored to be able to go on your platform and, and, and kind of quickly give a brief overview of everything. And, I, and I, I really want the truth to be understood and the evidence to be seen and evaluated. So I have new information today where I want to go through the patents to verify some of what we, we talked about, as well as talk about quantum dot, because that's the backbone technology and energy of this AI bioweapon. And, you know, it's a bioweapon because it's part biology and part technology. And that's what biotech always was, right? It's the merger of technology, and now we know that's AI, with biology, including the human body. So I wanted to go through you know, patents that show that's always been the intention with COVID-19. I want to stop briefly to remind my Christian listeners that according to Daniel chapter 2, verses 30, uh, verse 33, the final empire that will dominate the world in the end times is characterized in the statue that Daniel saw as having iron legs and feet made partly of iron and partly of clay. Now that phrase, iron and clay, has resulted in a large number of creative explanations over the ages but I think that God was speaking about a mixing of technology and biology. The technology is the iron and the biology is the clay. That makes more sense than trying to find a symbol about incompatibility in the imagery. If you want the links to the documents Karen will talk about, or is talking about, please go to her substack and read the related article or review the video on sgtreport.com, which is mirrored, or at brighteon.com, the Health Ranger Report, dated 10 22 If you go to the Moderna website, um, you can see the URL right there. Uh, but they, they have um, about eight major patents up there that are the patents for all mRNA 
vaccines, period. And it's not just Moderna, it's, you know, Pfizer, BioNTech. We now know this lipid nanoparticle technology is also in Johnson & Johnson. So it's for all quote unquote COVID-19 mRNA vaccines and for all mRNA vaccines for all other quote unquote viruses in the future. So you can go straight to Moderna's website. And so this is what I would call the master patent for the lipid nanoparticle technology. And as we talked about last time, the lipid nanoparticle technology is actually part of the AI bioweapon and is actually the spike protein, right? That's, that's the thing that makes the spiky things. So what this says clearly um, is it's, it's for the delivery, it's for the production of the protein. So this actually has the sequences in it for, for, the, for the body using artificial intelligence to produce you know, as Dr. Ryan Cole had said, it can actually produce a spike protein without a nucleocapsid, but it's not a synthetic protein, it's biosynthetic. Um, so they need the lipid nanoparticles and this clearly states that they're 80 to 160 nanometers in size. So to put that in perspective, um, a micrometer is a thousand nanometers and most viruses are, as you know, a couple or several micrometers. So this is, you know, one-tenth the size of you know, more than less than one tenth the size of a virus and quantum yeah. dot can be as small as one nanometer. So that's one, one eight. thousandth or no, one, one two, tenth, two thousandth one, one, of a virus. One, 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 one ten thousandth or one hundred thousandth of a virus? No, no. If it's one nanometer, that would be one one thousandth of one micrometer, right? Yeah. So is that one one hundred thousandth or I don't, I can't. Sorry. Well, it depends on the size. if you're saying it's a 10 micrometer or 10 yeah. micron virus, then it would be one ten thousandth. Oh yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So now and then and then quantum dots one. So we're getting into, as you know, the quantum field, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what it is. So as you read through this patent for the lipid nanoparticles for all mRNA and COVID nineteen vaccines on Moderna's website, it clearly states in section two one nine that it contains nanoparticles that are self assembly and fully programmable. And what are those nanoparticles? Well. In section 219 and 220, it goes on to say that they are gels and hydrogels. It's right there for everyone to see. So it Got is it. not a conspiracy theory to think that people were injected with smart self-assembling hydrogel. It's in the master patent on Moderna's website. Wait, um, wait, wait, and, where, where does this patent say self-assembling though? Or where, if you go where does back it, in yeah. section 219, it says the polymer-based self-assembly nanoparticle okay. may be fully programmable in section 219. Mm -hmm. And and okay. Yeah. And section 219, and again, you you haven't added 219 to this or anything. These are just screenshots from the patent, correct? These are screenshots, and in, that's why I put the section numbers there. So if people go to the link, they go to the Moderna website, they can go to section 219, and they can find, and that's why, I mean, I, I literally prepared this as if I was going into a metal, medical legal review meeting okay. at a big pharma company. That's how I prepared this. Before we go on, I, I have to ask you, yeah. You know, the, the big breaking news in the last couple of days was Boston University, right? This this research that they engaged in, which a lot of people are calling gain of function research. They say yeah. they combined the spike from, I think, the Omicron strain, and they combined it with the uh, the original Wuhan virus, and they created this new super strain that has 80% fatality in mice. What are your thoughts on that real quick? Yeah, well, it, so it, um, it's not, the mRNA viruses are completely unstable single helix viruses that cannot infect a human being unless they're encapsulated in a lipid nanoparticle technology. I went over that on your show last time, they can read about it on my Substack. So yes, they did create a gain of function sequence, you know, a computer sequence that can produce a virus in your body, 
but this is a bioweapon attack that needs to be encapsulated in the AI bioweapon to infect people. And, or it could also be a new electromagnetic frequency that's already gonna go out to people who are injected and produce it in the body. So you're saying as long as that super strain virus they created or whatever that sequence is, as long as they don't encapsulate it and inject it into people, it's not really a threat to humankind? It's not a threat at all. You can even hear uh, Dr. Fauci in 2015 on C-SPAN talk about how Ebola is not really a threat on people. Like, unless you're like, he like kind of says, unless you're like putting your hands in someone's feces and blood, you're not going to get a highly deadly virus. It doesn't happen. Fauci said it on himself in 2015. It just doesn't happen. They need this nanoweapon technology to inoculate people um, with, with, uh, with these bioweapons. They, they, they can't do it on their own. If you take a look at EcoHealth Alliance's pitch to DARPA with, you know, Dazak and Xi Zheng Li and Barrick, Barrick says in the pitch, look, uh, my coronaviruses are useless. And, and he says, they call them gain-of-function coronavirus. They had an entire library of them. He goes, I need to merge them with nanoparticles to actually do any kind of epidemic or pandemic damage. Huh. Not my words, barracks. So the viruses right. on their own are useless and they're not a threat. So the, the whole point of the virus was to create the panic to lead to the injections. To lead to the injections and then to lead to a bunch of other things we're going to get into, including the executive orders and, and um, you know, and then Rand Paul just got rid of animal testing when it's quote unquote, not necessary in human. So if you have the technology in your body now for them to send electromagnetic frequencies to start experimenting in the body, well, getting rid of animal testing uh, is the worst thing that we could do for the American population at this point. So that gives them an override to just start emergency experimentation in the human body. Well, yeah. okay. All right. Well, okay. I have a lot of questions, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. So go ahead. No, 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 Continue okay. with the patent. Yeah. So again, I would do this the same way I would walk into a, a, a med legal meeting with PhDs, MDs, attorneys, you know, C-level executive marketing. And there's always a sales guy there, you know? So anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. anyway, so so it's just the sections 219 and 21220. No, I did cut and paste the sections, but this is this is straight from the patents. I did not, nothing is photoshopped or doctored up other than my red lines, because normally I would highlight them, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in, in, in uh, Adobe for people. So I just did red lines and PowerPoint. So okay. it just says there's hydrogels in, the, in these. It's very, it's very clear. And people are magnetic, Mike. I mean, they're magnetic. They clearly are having central nervous system disorders. Like that's not from a respiratory virus. Now, this is the patent that's really interesting that's been taken down by the US Patent Office. And we'll get to that in a second. So in the Moderna lipid nanoparticle te uh, technology patent, there's you know probably about 80 or 90 other patents listed. So you see those patents when they're talking about technologies and you have to go to you know, those patent numbers and look them up to find out exactly what they are. So this one was filed by Life Technologies for water dispersible nanoparticles. And what this is for is to make sure that the nanoparticles, which are quantum dot, can be distributed throughout the body in your bloodstream, right? That's, that's, that's the intention. Well, how do I know that the nanoparticles that Life Technologies, which is now owned by Thermo Fisher Scientific, they acquired them in 2015, Okay. How do I know that this is nanoparticles? Again, now this rolls up into that, that patent I'm showing you that's on the Moderna website. Well, because if you go to section 003, it states that semiconductor nanocrystals, also known as quantum dot, you know, is what this technology is about. So it's using quantum dot to distribute it throughout the body and there's tagging involved too. And then it talks about the Bohr particle, which you know is based on frequencies. So it literally means that this quantum dot technology based on certain frequencies 
and they respond to on the bottom there it says it, it's it responds to like a higher level or maybe it's not here they talk about biological uh, applications but at the higher levels that blue light emitting energy um the nanoparticles get to a um, get to a size where they actually reduce the size and can enter the quantum field but uh -huh. literally based on frequencies is whether or not this technology exists or will appear or disappear because we're literally in the quantum field and there's a, a def, there's a certain frequency for it to get into the quantum field to then be able to send and receive signals but then that's like a whole quantum mechanics dancing wooly tigers discussion the masters yeah. i think is, is what they're called <laughs> yeah yeah anyway thanks for getting my joke no one gets my joke so i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> well uh okay so okay. yeah i'm sorry continue okay. go ahead so here it talks about that um uh they're smaller than the poor particle like literally this is about being in the quantum field this is about and i and it's difficult for people to to really understand that. Um, and it talks about that they use the higher energies. Um, I don't have the slide in here, but it's 500 gigahertz, 500 gigahertz or wow. higher. Yeah, it's really high energy. So you're talking about those 6G towers um, and that makes them actually smaller and then get into the quantum field. And that's that blue light. So here's the interesting part is I went to get this patent, the link to it. As you notice, I don't have the URL of the link to it because when I went to it, oh, when I went to it, it was dead. And this is what I found. So when I went to find the patent, which is owned by Thermo Fisher Scientific, the US Patent Office made it no longer publicly available and they took the names off for the applicants. So question is, why did they, why did they do that? So and when you had previously seen this patent that had the names on it? Yeah, it's right here. Here's the names, Carl. So it's LifeTech, it was filed in 2012. LifeTech was acquired by Thermo in 2015 and now, they took it down. Well, oh, that's that's crazy. Yeah. So if I go to the US PTO right now and I search for this patent, it, it doesn't, I mean, it just comes up like like you're showing here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, wait, it does have life tech. Sorry, it does have corresponding address. So they did keep, okay, so they took the applicant names off for some reason, but I didn't see that. They kept the address on. Okay. But they blocked, they blocked access to it. Really? So you can't read the copy. patent text? <laughs> what? You can't read the patent text? I can't find the patent text. I couldn't find it. Well, gosh, in order for a patent to be active, it the, the full text has to be oh, wait, publicly available. It, well, actually, wait, it says that ex, it expired. Let's look at this. It expired on 5-16-22. Due to non-payment of maintenance fees. There's something strange. No, but this, let, let me explain why this doesn't make sense. I'm, this is so funny. I didn't look at that. That's really interesting because this, let me tell you why this is interesting. And I don't think, and I'm not, they must have. So there's also that company Geovax who then changed licensing agreements between companies. Uh -huh. So, so, but anyway, this is part of, this is part of the Moderna patent. So maybe they let it expire. Maybe they let it expire because um, Moderna has a business deal with Thermo Fisher Scientific to manufacture the COVID-19 vaccines. They got a 15 year deal for all the mRNA vaccines. Uh-huh. So let me go through this. So it's interesting that this expired because it's for quantum dot to be used in the body and for labeling. And as you go through what quantum dot can do, this is a, a, a 2011 book called Quantum Confinement Effect. And it talks about how basically you can use the quantum dots in biology to create tags. 
So to mark people uh-huh. and specifically, or mark animals. And specifically, there's decades of successful research where they use quantum dot to um, not just label an animal or a human, but then to label, to, to actually tag, mark, and trace um, and communicate with, if you will, and secret, you know, the heart, liver, spleen, lung, kidney, and brain, which is what, I mean, what, those are the major organs that what, the quote unquote spike protein attack. Mm-hmm. Right. True. And then if exactly. you go to Thermo Fisher's website, they have a technology called QDOT. QDOT is using quantum dot to label not just organs, but tissues and down to the cellular level. And they use, and so they have QDOT. They used to own that patent, which they apparently let expired, but they do have QDOT, which can, again, mark, tag, trace using quantum dots, uh, tissues and cells. And then they announced in February this year, they have a 15 year deal, 15 year deal with Moderna for all mRNA vaccines. And they also disclosed that they were part of the manufacturing for Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines. What do you think, Mike? Uh, wow. Okay. So this technology, it seems like it's only begun to be expressed then in people. Like there's much more to this than, than what we're being told. It seems There's a lot more than what we're being told. And I know people have said that, you know, when um, Brooke Jackson came out and whistleblowers came out, like big pharma was shaking and stuff. I, but Thermo was a client of mine for years. I know, I mean, Casper's the CEO. He's a very, very shrewd businessman. They're not shaking. Nobody's shaking. Thermo Fisher is, is very shrewd. They wouldn't enter into a 15-year mRNA vaccine agreement with a company that's about to go bankrupt. Uh-huh. Do you, I mean, there's, there's no indication of that. Like, right. like how did the CEO of, Moder- of, of, of Thermo Fisher Scientific, the, the, the mammoth, the, you know, gargantuan, they buy every uh, biotech company in the world except for Twist Bioscience and Illumina. Why would they? Why would they invest in a company that's about to go under? Right. They wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. So, go go ahead then. I'm curious where this goes next. Okay. So where this goes next is that's the. So my point is, Thermo Fisher Scientific could it could be the also the applicant on the medical device technology that's part of these vaccines, which the American people now have a right to because the FDA approval. Uh, occurred for Moderna in February, and it occurred for Pfizer, which uses the same technology in August of last year. So we actually have every right under FOIA to find out exactly what people are injected with. We have every right to do that under the law. Has anybody made those FOIA requests that you know of? Uh, no one has that I know of. I'm happy to help uh, you know competent attorneys to do that. Um, but I, I think no one has because they were all were convinced that there was never an FDA approval. And they also didn't realize that there was a medical device technology that was part of it that was pr- protected under 21 USC 814.9. They were always just looking for biological agents with CBER. So they were, they were probably going to the wrong department at the FDA and they were asking for the wrong thing. Well, I could connect you to some people who could make that request. Oh, okay. I'd but, love to work with them. Happy. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about that after the interview, because I think you're on the right track here. Yeah, yeah, and we absolutely have every right to that that information. Okay, so here's what's interesting. So, what are these hydrogels? They're part organic and part inorganic. That's what the at the top. This is another patent that falls underneath the master patent for the Moderna lipid nanoparticles. That's in all the vaccines. So, so IOH, inorganic organic hydrogels, right? And I had pulled this actually um, part for you because it, it, I was trying to show those those structures, but. So what is an inorganic organic hydrogel? And part technology, AI, you know, and, and metallic structures and part biology, genetic sequences from 
other life forms, insects, reptiles, rodents, humans, whatnot. So what do these things look like? Well, they, they look like quantum dots. They have this bright blue, you know, and rainbow color colors that they give off. And so as you go through this peer reviewed article on inorganic organic hybrid materials, and again, you can see the, the poor little mice are getting marked, you know, they're marking their certain organs in their bodies. You can see upper right hand corner too, there's some markings or, or attachments to the bones. There's another, uh, another specific patent in the Moderna patent that actually does specific, uh, specifically target uh, bone and getting into the bone marrow. And then you can see some of these other structures, which are similar to what some of the scientists and researchers and like Dr. Carrie Midday, these colors, these structures that they've seen underneath the electron microscope. And clearly it says that, okay, these, the backbone, the energy source, the technology between inorganic, behind inorganic and organic hybrids is Q dots. It's quantum dot. That's what it is. It's also what makes okay, your so LED television look great. Well, let me, where are these colors coming from? Because under an electron microscope, you know, there's no, there's no color that well, is visible. The electron, I, I don't know what Carrie Midday used, but Carrie looked um, under some other microscope where she just put the, the vaccine on, I think it was a standard microscope. And mm -hmm. she said she saw this whole, and she, she showed it on shows, like the video of it, like these rainbow colors that burst out. And I can find the videos, but some doctors, when they're looking under you know, a standard, I guess, 400, 500 magnification. Is that what was standard one is microscope? I'm not a scientist. Like um, anywhere from, let's say 20 to 2000. Okay. Yeah. I think the, a lot of doctors were using like a 500 magnification. They would just see, you know, when they looked at the product, the vials underneath a microscope, you know, when certain temperatures change, I, there's a, uh, an engineer that's been on Stu Peter's show where he was like exposing like different frequencies, uh -huh. you know, and right. you see these colors and they see like the, like this Tesla phoresis thing anyway. So, okay, so I, can, I can provide links on Substack to what some of the um, researchers have seen. All right. That, that, that's interesting. Um, and, and just for the audience, I mean, all kinds of substances do fluoresce when they reach that excitatory state upon being exposed to wavelengths of electromagnetic energy. So what you're saying actually makes sense. And there's all kinds of things that fluoresce like, you know, it's hey, Halloween's almost here. You can go out and you can you can buy like Halloween decorations that fluoresce under uh, black light, for example. So this isn't uh, this isn't a crazy theory. It's well known information. Well, yeah, and I and I can but I can get evidence that it that the that the when somehow or another when the vaccines are activated in some way, they actually give off this rainbow color. Which yes, is what quantum dot looks like, right? And I just showed the patents show that quantum dots in there. This is what they are. Uh, Thermo Fisher is somehow involved. They have QDOT labels. I mean, um, but what's interesting is that you can't just inject people with quantum dot, right? You just can't take what's out of your TV and stick it in someone's body and it's going to know where to go. Uh, we're going to, it needs a technology, which is a single wall carbon nanotube. And uh. what is that? Well, it's a graphene oxide based structure that's one atom thick. And it encapsulates, we're going to get into this, it encapsulates the quantum dot, and then it's put in the cubosome in the LNP, the lipid nanoparticle, and delivered in the body. Now, what's really terrifying and a deep betrayal is that this patent is, is under the Moderna patent, as I mentioned, but it's owned by the Chinese government, the Chinese military. It's the, the pro intellectual property of China. So wait a second, you're saying that Moderna lists this patent on their website? No, you have to go through that master patent that I showed you, Yeah. right? The Moderna lipid nanoparticle one. 
And in that patent, there's about 90 other patents that refer other technologies. The single wall carbon nanotube technology is referenced in that patent. Oh, uh, and this is this is the single wall carbon nanotube. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you read a patent, there's just like when you read a peer reviewed journal, there's all these other references or alphanumeric, like for the patents, alphanumeric codes. So right. if you want more detail on exactly what that is, you have to go read that 90 page document. So you're saying that Moderna's delivery technology was based on what was intellectual property that's owned by China. Part of part of it is, yeah, part of it's owned by China. The Chinese and this, let's, who is this? Tsinghua uh, University, Beijing. Okay, that, those are the applicants I see. And and then Taiwan, yeah. Really? Isn't that? Where Taiwan? is that? Oh, okay. New Taipei, yeah, New Taipei. That's Hon. High precision industry in new, new pi, yeah, new Taipei, Taiwan. Well, that's really unusual to have Taiwan and Beijing cooperating on a patent for technology. Well, but I mean, I just know during the PPE, and I, again, I work in medical device, but when PPE was short, the only way to get any kind of PPE out of China was through either Taiwan or South Korea. Hmm. So I don't think it's that odd, but it's still owned by. So if they want to export this from China and there's embargoes, they'd have to go through Taiwan. Okay. Or good South point. Korea. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm. Well. Yeah. I've been, I mean. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of know where some of the stuff. Yeah. Is. You've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've yeah, looked yeah. at every reference in these patents, so you yeah. you've done tremendous amount of research on this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I also understand uh, global shipping. I mean, I've worked in global medical device and pharma, so uh-huh. I know a little too much. Anyway, so <laughs> this is owned by China. So it's obviously you know this that's ultimately owner is China. So why is this so alarming? Well, part of it is because, and I went over this a little bit last time, there's a military publication called Breaking Defense. And in January, 2020, there's a army program manager who's an engineer and physicist, physicist named Joe Key. And what his job was to work, was work on, um, and people can look the, the URLs, I can read the whole article. He worked on nanotechnologies, 5G and quantum dot. And his job was to work with the military to make sure you know, to, that 5G would activate um, you know, quantum dot. But then what's strange, what, what was disturbing is, and again, you can see it's all carbon nanotubes was like the subhead. He was working on specifically the carbon nanotubes. Yeah. He had this business or his, his army partner, this guy Myers. And so what, and you can see here, he's Chinese born, US trained, key uh, engineer, you know, physicist and turned engineer turned program manager. Oh, and he talks about his mathematician friend Myers, who he says is notoriously disconnected, disconnected from mundane reality. So he sounds like a sociopath in that description. But he talks about that, you know, key is attributed to shrinking the size of the carbon nanotubes. And mm-hmm. when they say a fraction of the size of the human hair, we're talking like one six thousandth, you know, of the human hair. I mean, it's so tiny. It's so tiny. So, so key from China was working on the nanotubes, and then Myers was working on the quantum dots to get them down to six nanometers. And then they worked together so that the, the single wall carbon nanotubes can encapsulate the quantum dot. And then that would go into the technology to be delivered into the human body. Okay, wow. Yeah. This is fascinating because in, in, in our food science lab, by the way, we use a carbon nanotube technology to lock up uh, pesticide molecules uh, in a water extraction from food samples. Wow. And the okay. pesticides yeah. fit inside carbon nanotubes, whereas other molecules won't fit inside them. And so it locks up the, the pesticides and then we can we can do the analysis. So 
this technology is used in, in biotech all the time. I mean, we, we use it. Yeah. And I, I just want to read straight for the article. I mean, it says here, so Myers is the evil counterpart of key, right? And his job was, it says Myers is funding research on quantum dots, minuscule crystals of semiconductor whose longest dimension is no more than six nanometers, meaning they could conceivably fit inside a nanotube. Mm -hmm. So why is a former Chinese resident perfecting Chinese military technology funded by the US military to then deliver quantum dot into the human body? And then, you know, my other question is then, why did Lloyd Austin mandate that this Chinese-based technology, back technology is injected into all of our men and women on August 24th of 2021. Right, right. Yeah. This is <laughs> okay. I'm going to bring up that, uh, that article so I can cite it. Yeah. Carbon nanotubes, quantum dots, army thinks very small. That's yeah. from 2020. That's interesting. Yeah. It's from January, 2020. I know it's interesting. They've, they're, they're telling us what they were doing the whole time. You just, you just needed an analyst to find all the data. <laughs> right. No kidding. I mean, it was, it was all there. It was just behind a bunch of noise. All right. So yeah. we know that the military got a different injection than uh, the civilian population as well. What do you think that injection was? I, I, I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have an opinion on that. I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I just, right, I, just fair don't, enough. I don't have, I don't, you know, what, what I have is government, what I have is publicly available documents. I mean, I think that's the other thing people are like, where does she get her information from? It's like a, a government databases. I just know how to search them, you know? Yeah. You actually cite everything that you're talking about. You, have, yeah. you bring more documentation than anybody. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm not allowed to opine. My job, no one cares about my opinion. I, I know people are like, that's so mean. It's not really, you know, you just, uh, I, all, I, all I had to do is bring evidence when I would go to these, these meetings, you know, so. Yeah. Thank you. So, so let's, so, so the other thing I want to talk about is that, you know, we're talking about the COVID-19 bioweapon injections that deliver this AI nanoweapon. But I want to talk a little personal experience and then go into, you know, what, um, what's actually being delivered. So this was the testing they were doing at my son's school without parents' permission. And it was by a company called GenBody. And they were aggressively testing students that weren't injected. I, I want to be clear about that. So that they, like, there was a, like, and they did it without the parents' permission. So wow. I looked up this company and notice it's, it's COVID-19, which doesn't stand for the virus. It's certificate of vaccination, uh, ID, AI, and, and Clay Clark has said that, but the more evidence we see, this is about inoculating humans with an AI bioweapon that has parasitic properties. Like that's what it's about. And I look up this company and I look up on the FDA website, you know, look at where this stuff is going. And then they were sticking up the kid's nose. Like, you know, it could go up to the blood brain barrier, down the throat. Like there's no reason this is a highly contagious respiratory virus. There's no reason to do the testing this way. Right. This is straight from the FDA and GenBody. I'm sorry, I don't, oh yeah, the, the link is down there. They can go to it. If it's still up there, I didn't check. Um, so I went to the, this is a South Korean based website. I went to the South Korean uh, URL for it. On the left-hand side, that's the link to the NIH grant. So when you go to their website about their GenBody COVID-19 test, there's a picture of what is the spike protein. Like they're supposed to be, allegedly testing for the full SARS-CoV-2 mRNA um, sequence and then antibodies. Like, why are they showing this spike protein, this AI nano weapon on there? And I, I'm gonna take screenshots of this. And then it's important to know too that $10.3 million they got from the NIH, NIAID under Fauci, to then take the genetic 
you know, samples of students, my son, you know, and, and, and his friends and send it off to a company in South Korea, you know, that probably is funded by the Chinese military. Wow. So, and I, this was not about, this was not about, you know, it's about collecting genetic material and it's about inoculating people with that nano weapon. So these we talked about last time, these are the images, right? So on the left-hand side, uh, that's an electron microscope image of a nanogel, an AI nanogel that's infected a cell. That's an actual image. That's not CGI. It's not a CAD file. You know, all the other stuff are CGI or 2D, 2G images um, that you see. But if right. They- and so that looks just like what they show us is the spike, pro- the, the, the spike exactly. sphere. It looks like the spike protein, but it's not the spike protein. It's the AI nano weapon inside of a cell. Wow. Well, you, you mentioned that last time and you were blowing people's minds that you're saying the spike protein is, it's, it's the AI. Nanoweapon, bioweapon. Yeah, yeah, bio-weapon. sorry. I want to call it a bioweapon because it's part biology, part technology. And I think when people hear nanoweapon, they think, well, it's just technology. No, it, it's part biology. So it has, it can produce genetic sequences for viruses in your body. Well, it's like you said, it's organic hyphen inorganic. It's a yeah, hybrid it's, chimeric combination of tech. Yeah, it, it is, I mean, we're going to get to the tech. We're going to get to the pattern where it says that this technology is meant to spawn inside the body. It's a, it's a, it's a parasite. We'll pause here. Karen talks fast and she's presenting a lot of high quality information, data that might be hard for some people to absorb. This is not a vaccine, but a weapon scaled down to the size that is substantially smaller than a virus. Why don't some people perceive it as a weapon? because there are no visual or auditory cues linking the substance with the effects of an obvious weapon. And there's no visible weapon being aimed at them. There's no explosion. There's no fire and no carnage that's visible to most people. And not everyone is dying or getting injured, so there's no manifestation of it as a weapon that can't be plausibly denied. However, we can discern it's a weapon from the damage it's already done to the population of the world and the desperate attempt by the government, media, and their tech allies to actively suppress the information to keep it from the public. You can see it in the Pfizer data dumps that had to be ordered by a federal judge. You can see it in the massive increase in the all-cause mortality in Western countries, as opposed to other countries that had very low vaccination rates. Western all-cause mortality rates are through the roof. For example, the all-cause mortality in the under-25 age group in many Western nations has now increased an astonishing 1,000%. Countries that didn't vaccinate many people have unchanged all-cause mortality rates. They can't hide the fact that lots of people are suddenly falling down dead with little to no warning, but they can name it something, so they named it SADS. Along those lines, then, it seems like it hasn't been fully activated yet, then, in lots of people. It has not. It has not. And the activation is, uh, is, is very much contingent on uh, the, the 5G fiber optics uh, network. And we, I, didn't, I didn't pull the slides today, but also the quantum dots are activated uh, using LED. So there's also, so light, there's a light activation that's involved as well. And I've got to get that substack up as well. So it's LED, which is why they're putting those black lights everywhere, 5G and fiber optics that activate it. And they're going up like gangbusters, Mike, and they're ahead of schedule from what I've seen. But we'll, we'll have to cover that at another. Okay. Time. All right. Let, let's continue then. Let's continue. Yeah. So just this is the so this is a peer reviewed article. You can see the title of it. I believe it was in PNAS. Um, but what you're looking at is the cargo systems of um, uh, magnetic nanoparticles inside cells. And so this, it says the short short. 
uh, he said an oligonucleotide. So what it's doing, it can, it can produce a spike protein. It can do the short codon sequences, right? To produce the spike protein. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You get it. All right. Yeah. That's, that's what it, that's what these are. So those are the spikes. I mean, it's producing synthetic viruses in your body. So we went over this last time too. So this is the publication that's on um, what they call smart magnetic hydrogel. And again, you can see the pegylated lipids. You can go to Cinepeg. <laughs> I'm going to write a subject on it. They, they're the spike protein. So this right. is one of the delivery layers, right? Uh, and it talks about this is intelligent. We went over this last time. My right. point is that's this pegylated lipid on the right-hand side at the bottom. Above it is what they stuck in my son. Wait. What what do they stick in your son with the, you're talking about with the swabbing? Yeah. That's what this. Yeah. Don't, I mean, I'm not, we, I mean, we have to wake up to this, the swabbing and I'll get to the patents where they, they talk about the diagnostic test can be used to inoculate people. The, the, right. The, that's why I've, I've about, never been swabbed. It's all about inoculating I, people with this AI bioweapon. So even people who weren't vaccinated, if they were swabbed, they could have been inoculated. Yes, but the point, but and, I, and, and people are very concerned about that, and I, I think everyone should be concerned. There is a way to though, stop this, reverse it, treat it. You know, if we because it's, it's based on the quantum fields and stuff and energies. But, but you know, it, like any poison or parasite, right? It depends on how much you get inoculated with about how you know what I mean. So, yeah, people who had a test, you know, or maybe got exposure through a surface exposure that was sprayed down with these uh, AI bioweapons. They're, they're not going to have as much in their body as someone that was injected. And as you pointed out, you know, and it, it's very reasonable, right, that these have not been fully activated either. So, yeah, well, a couple other things to, to bring in here, the, the size of, of these structures, it's so small that it could also be inoculated into you via mosquitoes because mosquitoes are injecting actually yeah. structures that are a lot larger, maybe orders of magnitude larger than these. So this yeah. could go into mosquitoes and it could also just go, it, it could be an aerosolized anything. You know, you know, those air curtains that you walk through when you go into a commercial building, mm -hmm. they have an air curtain there, you know, supposed to be for public safety and it's just blowing air vertically down. Well, they could just have a, like a little nozzle in that air curtain and they could be spraying everybody with these things all the time. Yep. That's a, yeah, that's absolutely, you're a thousand percent correct. And like masks don't do anything. Like you said, these are one one hundred thousandth the side of size of a virus. I mean, right. maskfuls are several microns large or ten. Like they don't do anything. That's right. like, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, James Giordano even talked about you know, you know, even biohazard suits potentially not. You know, I think you need to be in a space suit to stop this stuff. Right. To be all doom and gloom, but. Um. Let me bring in something. Just some breaking news that just appeared okay. while we were talking. Um. You know, the uh, UK Daily Mail broke that story about the Boston University uh, research with the 80% kill rate. Well, they have a new follow-up story that just came out that the top, the director of the NIH, Emily Erberding, or Erbelding, <laughs> sorry, she's the director at NIAID, mm -hmm. um, which is under the NIH. That's where that comes from. She says she was unaware of the details of the research. She only found out about these experiments involving enhancing pathogens on Monday. $1.1 million from the NIAID was listed as helping fund the research at Boston University. A spokesman said that the NIAID was included as a, as a courtesy, but it was not funded by the agency. But I covered this, and it says they were clearly funded by NIH and NIAID, and they thanked the agency. Yeah. So this... 
they say, but this, this is important, and I want your reaction on this. So Boston University is saying that because they did not receive funding, which is a lie, they did not have to clear the research with officials at the NIH. That's what they're saying now. So they never cleared the research, even though it was gained a function. What are your thoughts on that? These are just evil scam artists. I, 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 I'm, I, I don't know why people have, like, these, these people lie for sport. I mean, that it does, it comes like, it comes natural to them. So the key is, if you, and, and, and even if you read some of their documentation, if you read the early documentation about SARS-CoV-2 and the tabletop, I think that was done at Event 201, they talk about it's very important to not have attribution. So who did that? And that's, they're playing this game. So when people are co-conspirators in a crime, they say, oh, I didn't know you did it. I didn't know you did. Well, neither one of us really knew what was going on. Like, we don't know who did it. It's just, it, it's, a, it's a clear scam artist. Right. That's what it is. Yeah, except these both scams. Are, both are fully aware. They got the funding from the NIH, and the NIH is fully aware that they funded them, you know, through the NIAID for gain-of-function research. They're lying. You know, if I can, here's the thing, if I can go on the NIH website and publicly find the grant that funded the research, how can they say they didn't know they got it from the NIH? This is more, I mean, I'm not saying I did that for this, but I bet I could. Like, this is moronic. Well, actually, I, I did a story today that actually lists the grant numbers. So you yeah, can so you, you can go. look them yeah. up. They're right there. We've got the grant numbers. And 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 by the way, gain of function research is illegal in the United States. Yep, it is. So so if in a court of law, what should happen? Uh, again, I'm I I I'm I, I guess I feel lucky for people that they never had to deal with sociopathic scam artists, but in a court of law, what would happen is like if you have evidence that contradicts what the person you know is saying, the defendant is saying constantly, you know, you can only find them for perjury so many times, uh, and then eventually start holding the attorney accountable. When you do that, the attorney will then enter in to a plea, and I can't remember what it's called, but the plea again, insanity. It's, it's a crazy plea, Mike. It, it, there's this. It's it, it's not insanity, but what what it is is they will state. That the defendant doesn't know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie because they state whatever it is they need to have a, a, for their outcome. Therefore, they shouldn't be fined with perjury. And at this point, you should just take the evidence and make a, and make a decision. And then, and don't ask how I know this, but because I, I, I just have dealt with a lot of bad people in my life. So Karen has found all the patents that describe what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. They practiced it in Event 201, a global pandemic exercise that was hosted three months before the start of the so-called pandemic. Go watch it at the centerforhealthsecurity.org. It was put together by the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the World Economic Forum. Now let's hear from our other guest speakers about an entirely different mode of operation involving not the outer protective layers of the nanoweapon quantum dots, but the heart of the nanoweapon, the mRNA technology. The most important thing, of course, is the long-term impact of mRNA shots. Since Big Pharma's master plan is to have every vaccine on the face of the planet be an mRNA shot eventually. According to Dr. Artis, repeated mRNA use will eventually erase your body's natural immunities and basically leave you enslaved to pharma-provided therapeutics if you want to stay alive. Unbelievable. Dr. Brian Artis joins us now, sir. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you being here. Stu, it's great to be here. Proud of you, man. Um, you know, all of these chemicals that are in these shots, at the end of the day, they're just killing people. And that needs to be the overall message. Do you agree? I do. Actually, there's several things this is doing. It's leaving people disabled for life. It's impacting their immune systems for life. 
There was a published paper back in February of 2022 by Stephanie Seneff and other co-authors like Peter McCullough that the mRNA vaccines are proving to actually destroy what, are, what is called alpha interferon, which downstream destroys your ability to actually elicit toll-like receptors to be enacted to protect you against cancers to spread throughout the body, leading to all kinds of metastatic issues. So yes, there's complications long-term. In fact, Guillain-Barre syndrome, we've seen myocarditis, and you should ask me about, I appreciate you bringing up Watch the Water, the snake venom peptides aren't going away. And Stu, for the whole world watching, my intent has been to actually help you explain why all these symptoms are occurring and there's one thing you're all ignoring. If you go and look at the injuries to the mRNA vaccines, those being reported to VAERS, even the Johnson & Johnson adenovirus vector vaccine, every single side effect can be attributed to the side effects of venom and very specifically a side effect of venom therapy and vaccines called serum sickness. Stu, did you know myocarditis is a side effect published since the 1800s to the use of venom and anti-venom therapy? Myocarditis, which is the number one published side effect to scarring and injuring heart cells that is everlasting, it never reverses, it's scarring of the heart supposedly and leads, according to Dr. Hilton in England, to a 50% mortality rate in less than five years. A lot of people are saying, you know, what happened to the venom theory? What, what happened to that? Oh, we're just on to new theories now. No, no, no. Um, there's nothing saying that multiple theories can't be true, that there can't be self-assembling nanoparticles inside of these shots. There's nothing saying that these, these things can't be a biosynthetic parasite and include venom. Uh, not only in the shots, Dr. Artis, but in the sequence for SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, whatever that is, these venomous peptides are there as well, aren't they? They are there. So it was confirmed, and we went through that on Watch the Water documentary. The venom peptides have never gone anywhere. I've done about 800 interviews since our Watch the Water documentary dropped. This has been a worldwide phenomenon, and it has actually answered the questions and brought relief of symptoms with the antidotes we presented one after another with research papers over the last 50 years of all the natural things you can take to actually reduce and inhibit the actions of venoms on the blood, the brain, and neurological tissue. The Chinese crate snake, the African king cobra, a German hedgehog, a bat from Africa, uh, a bat from China. This whole thing was man-made. It was on a computer, which is why the whole virus has never been isolated in the wild. I am under the opinion here. I mean, I guess it's, it's this show's opinion that there never was a virus, that this was never about a respiratory infection. This was never about something that was contagious or passed from human to human. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I actually have come to the conclusion of the same thing. One of the things I surmise is as I continue to study is it really just looks like they weaponized snake venom peptides and then rabies virus sequences. Now, when I say that, you have to remember the Latin definition of virus is actually venom. So, when you look at the term virus, it doesn't matter what sequence you're looking at. The Latin definition is a toxic excretion or venom. So when you're looking at all of this, yes, it's very problematic. And you talked about the chemicals in the shots, including polyethylene glycol and polysorbate 80. They're designed to cross the blood-brain barrier. That's how they're getting the adjuvants, the spike proteins, which are really just snake proteins in my opinion. If you're going to drive those into the brain, you're going to create all kinds of neurological problems. One other chemical in the ingredient list you mentioned or that you talked about, is the nanoparticle hydrogel. 
Do you know that there's research studies since 2012-15 confirming that nanoparticle hydrogel is self-assembling and it's used to, to create blood clotting that is resistant to heparin? Heparin's a blood thinner you use during surgery so you don't clot and stroke out. You can actually use nanoparticle hydrogel and they're using it to stop internal bleeding and cause clotting. And that is an ingredient in each of the mRNA shots. So it is an orchestrated, obvious bioweapon that's been created. The total agenda is to get this in as many people as possible. Uh, and the world needs to be warned. What is polysorbate 80? Polysorbate 80 is a, is a chemical, actually, that all I'm aware of, Dr. Larry Pilevsky did a great job with this, explaining 20 research ways it punches holes in the blood-brain barrier. This is a synthetic chemical that drives penetration of protective tissues around your brain to allow, in the case of flu shots, which they're about to do the mRNA shots with, they're going to actually allow aluminum to cross the blood-brain barrier to lead to neurological conditions like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you name it. Unbelievable. That's its only intent is to cross the blood-brain barrier. We have released uh, three excerpts from the upcoming documentary, Died Suddenly. Died Suddenly could probably be about a one-month-long film, uh, all of the people that are dying suddenly. And uh, by the way, you'll notice the Google results are changing the definition or the phrase died suddenly into... Uh, a sudden cardiac event. That's what they want to do it now, instead of died suddenly, which is why like spontaneous abortion or miscarriage will be changed to like menstrual abnormality. I mean, this is softening the language. Oh, that sounds nice. A sudden cardiac event. That sounds a whole lot better than died suddenly. <laughs> but you notice in one of those excerpts that you've seen, the one with Steve Kirsch, the one with a whistleblower, uh, the one with Dr. James Thorpe, OBGYN, and then one with Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, flight surgeon, U.S. Army, Fort Rucker. In that one, there are a lot of similarities in the way that these people are behaving before they die suddenly. They seem to be like reaching out and fighting something off and spinning around. The guy in the grocery store, for example, he's just like, no, don't don't come at me. What do you think this is? Oh, yeah. Lots of people have asked me to actually comment on that and actually go through those videos with them on their shows and actually talk about it. They actually believed it was demonic or cursed vaccines. And I would say, no, you don't understand. If you don't look at the bioweapon that you and I disclose to the whole world, if you don't look at the bioweapon, you'll never be able to explain it. It is published, peer reviewed and approved over and over and over. The There is a visual hallucination aspect and symptom that occurs when venom peptides from snake bites crosses the blood-brain barrier. So if you use a vaccine to do it, using polysorbate 8 or polyethylene glycol, when it crosses the blood-brain barrier, you're going to get visual hallucinations. It's a published side effect of venom exposure to the brain. You know, it's amazing. Bangladesh actually published and approved a study where they found after envenomation from snake bites, before people would die, they would experience schizophrenia, long-term depression, anxiety, PTSD, and visual hallucinations. And what's in schizophrenia? Delusions and hallucinations right before they would die. This is all published side effects of venom and envenomation. This is envenomation. This is absolutely worldwide envenomation. There's a depopulation agenda. And if you haven't studied this either, you guys need to go look at all medical professionals. Please do this. When you're looking at serum sickness and mRNA technology, bromelain, I'm not kidding, bromelain, aloe, uh, polyphenols, resveratrol, all of these are known inhibitors of nanoparticle hydrogel and of venoms. 
and a particular mRNA sequence and component called bradykinins. It's a slow-acting killer. Bradykinins was first discovered in 1960 as a component of viperventum in Brazil. It is a known side effect of the mRNA. Bradykinins, slow death, causing acute renal failure, myocarditis, and death. Bromelain, aloe vera, nicotine, macuna uh, prurines. These are all natural things we need to be looking at to actually try to reverse this. Now, published medically, please all medical doctors, serum sickness. Stu, your audience needs to hear this. One of the oddest things that came out after the vaccine started to be pushed into the arms of everybody around the world, they said you're not really vaccinated for 14 days. Imagine my shock to find that on the NIH's website, serum sickness, the side effects of venom therapy actually only show up the majority of them between days five and 14, which includes Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a side effect of these shots, paralysis of half your body, myocarditis, anaphylaxis, lymphadenopathy. That's actually cancer. That's the toll-like receptors being damaged by these shots. It occurs. It all fits in line with the anti-venom or anti-venom or serum sickness uh, diagnosis. These are all types of therapies you should be considering to actually improve the life outcomes of people who are being injured from venoms. Unbelievable. Uh, this kind of it is a side effect of vaccines, by the way, too. So please don't don't ignore this serum sickness. Look at it. It actually perfectly defines everything. Myocarditis. If you look at openvares.com. Look at the day in which the majority of people after the second shot are diagnosed with myocarditis. It's day 13. It sits right inside that 14-day window. Myocarditis is a side effect of anti-venom and venom therapy. It's also a side effect published of vaccines. Just in general, please go study how you handle serum sickness. And the majority of your medical professionals now have a way to address possibly reversing, slowing down, the damaging circulating effect of venom peptides circulating throughout the body, or even worse, your DNA making the venom, which is what the purpose of the idea behind mRNA technology. mRNA technology is venom research. Uh, real quick, because I'm running out of time here. Dr. Malone, the last time he was on this show, said, I don't want to talk snake venom. He's the inventor of the mRNA shots, mRNA technology. Uh, why do you suppose he didn't want to talk about snake venom? Uh, well, the problem with that is I think you and I should actually get Robert Malone on a show and get Robert Malone and Drew Weissman and Catalina Carrico, who are actually awarded and credited with creating the mRNA technology. They're the ones that disclose they use snake venom phosphodiesterase in their mRNA gene editing therapy since 2009. And maybe we should get all three of them to together the one who wants to be credited with creating the COVID-19 mRNA shots and those who are actually credited with the mRNA shots. And let's get them together in a room and discuss why it is they don't want to come out and be interviewed by me, any of the three of them, and why they don't want to discuss the snake venom peptides. Why do you refuse? Yeah. Um, you know, you and I were both, full disclosure here, with Dr. Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough uh, in Tennessee just weeks ago. Uh, again, this wasn't brought up, although specifically addressed. The questions were asked, and we got nothing but scientific word salads. Uh, this seems like deflection, as far as I'm concerned. And anybody, it's by the way, who's, not, who's, who's talking about a viral infection, anybody who's talking about a contagious virus that's being passed from person to person, they are liars. They are controlled opposition at very minimum, or they are completely clueless. 
This was never a viral infection. This was never a respiratory infection. This was a man-made, chimerically engineered bioweapon that includes venom, period. Anybody who is unwilling or has not looked at these vials underneath a microscope and is talking about what these vaccines are is lying to you or they are completely clueless intentionally. I asked the Surgeon General of Florida if he would look at these under a microscope. He laughed, but he said that he would. Anybody, any doctor, anybody out there that has not looked at these things under a microscope and they claim to be some expert, they are part of a plan to give you disinformation, period. Look at these under a microscope, then you become qualified to speak on this. Stop talking about viral infections and go to the whole truth, then you are qualified to speak on this. There are a lot of cowards in this story. I refuse to be one of them. If you want to hear the complete interviews, go to brighteon.com or the sgtreport.com for Karen and the Stu Peters Show at Red Voice Media for Dr. Artis. So maybe it sounds pretty hopeless. Maybe you're wondering how we fight the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And that's one of the points of the end times. We can't. We can only pray to him who can. The reason it has to get so bad at the end is because God needs to make it plain to everyone on earth that, but for him, humanity would completely destroy itself by turning away from God and allying with the above spirits. We remnant can't fix the problem. It takes God and his son Jesus Christ. And it has to get this bad and worse for us to collectively give up and turn fully to him. So tighten your seatbelt. Satan and his army are on the move, but we still have a job to do. We have to face the enemy and face down the enemy, staying with our first love and turning as many men and women as will come to Jesus Christ. We have to live wisely in this age in order to capture a few more for the future but we have to do it with a knowledge and understanding of the truth of what is really going on. If you found this podcast interesting, useful, or important, please recommend it to someone you know. If nothing else, at least give this episode a happy face, a 5e star, or whatever else your app has to encourage others to listen. Underground Christian can be heard on several fine podcast platforms, including Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, TuneIn, iHeart, Player FM, Listen Notes, Pandora, Samsung Podcasts, and Podchaser. Boom! We're everywhere! If you wish to contact me, please send an email to undergroundchristian at outlook.com. Until next time, and for the foreseeable future, do not take any more bioweapon shots of any kind. This mRNA and bioweapon technology is reportedly being incorporated into every kind of, quote, vaccine, unquote, including the annual flu shots. These demonically influenced people are serious about what they're doing, and they are spiritually and psychotically committed. You can know for certain that they wouldn't have started a genocide unless they have the ability and intend to finish it. So stay away from those shots. That's just my advice. Thank you.